So yeah, I'll let you get to you, Sean. Just as you please. Okay, everyone. I'm Sean, also known as Swix on the internet. I'm a React fan, and but also a Svelte fan. And one of my talks that I'm speaking later on in an hour or so is Seven Lessons to Outlive React. But this discussion room is a different topic. It's a non-technical topic. It's related to the book I published last year. Basically talking about how people can go from junior to senior, how the non-technical elements of the software engineering job is very relevant for our career progression and something that we don't really talk about enough. And yeah, I'm very interested in sharing my experience, the experiences of the people that I learned from. If you want to check out the the amount of research I did, you can check out the site at learningpublic.org. I'm going to just explain a little bit of what I wrote on the junior to senior chapter. So essentially, Part of what I was trying to do here was define what a senior engineer is. And it's one of those things where everyone has a different opinion. And it's more of a pay scale than it is a well-accepted metric. To some people, you have to have at least three years at a high-growth startup. Others can take up to eight years to become a senior engineer. Others let's just say they don't care about the number of years, right? It's more about what you can do. And ultimately, I think for me, is what I really care about is for everyone to have the prerequisite skills, enough of the prerequisite skills and accomplishments that you can make a strong case for a senior developer, but then also market yourself as meeting enough so that people notice you and hire you, whether in internal promotion or externally when you do a lateral transfer to another company. And I think a lot of times it involves acting like a senior engineer before you officially become one. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg, right? And I think that's something that we have to recognize more and study more because I don't think we have enough of a conversation about how to convert juniors to seniors. And it's the biggest gap in the industry. Everyone wants to hire seniors, but there's so many juniors trying to, trying to upskill themselves. I've just invited Avocado Mayo. Are you able to speak? Hi, can you hear me? Hey, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. I'm a developer based in Canada. Um, I have a question for you, a general career advice. So I, I feel that the front-end landscape is constantly changing and the web is constantly evolving. A question that I have for you is, what are some ways that you kept up with the cutting edge so that you were constantly learning? And what are some ways that you kept up with the changing landscape in development? Great question. It's something I get a lot, but honestly, I, don't, I haven't really slowed down to like document a process. I just do whatever comes to mind. So this is a bit off the cuff. So... Something I care a lot about, I think it would not be an exaggeration to say that I do get a lot of my tech news off of Twitter. And the things that, so I tend to do this strategy, which I call following the graph, which is like figure out what the the smart people that have effect, that have built the things that you use, like the Reacts and the Babbles and the Webpacks, figure out what they, how they got where they are and what they're working on today, because they're, they're also excited about other things. They didn't stop just because they, they were done <laughs> working on, on, on the tool. So uh, I follow the graph, like I follow who they follow and then I, I, I figure out who their influences are and try to understand like the historical context of where these technologies fit in. And that's all an attempt to try to figure out like what themes I should focus on for the future. So uh, I, every now and then I try to step back and go, okay, what am I interested in? Because I think honestly, the reality is that there's too much to keep up on. And I think if you try to keep up on everything, it's a full-time job. And you'll never go deep on any particular topic. And that's also really bad. It's not enough to just know the names of every project. You actually have to have tried it out to know the philosophy, have an opinion when you're 
in your company, you ask for it. So that's what I try to do. I try to have a thesis. I try to inform it by following people who I think are doing interesting things in the ecosystem. I think attending conferences actually really helps a lot because the people who are excited enough to give a talk about something, that's probably something I should at least be aware of like what it's about. And I have this four-step framework that I borrow from ThoughtBot, I think, or ThoughtWorks, where it's like assess, adopt, avoid, and I forget what the fourth category is. But basically just have an idea of what you are choosing to focus on what you're monitoring and not really getting into right now, but could be, and what you've just decided, okay, hey, there's just too much going on. I need to filter something out. And I think that's a very healthy way to stay on top of things. Thank you so much, Sean. I have a follow-up question before I, I go back to the audience. So <laughs> as you mentioned, it's, I, I feel like when I whenever I get on Twitter, it, there's an overwhelming amount of information. And I find it also really hard with all these emerging technologies to balance like the, my actual job and learning these new things. Do you have any advice for how you manage your time for learning new things and actually getting your job done? Oh, wow. That's a, that's an awesome question. I think it will be, it's very nice. A lot of companies have this uh, idea of some learning time. For some companies, it's half a day every week. And some companies, it's like one day every two weeks. Whatever it is, if your company can budget in some learning time on the side, I think that really is very helpful. For me, I do a lot of side projects. I, I will dive into to things outside of company time. That's, some, that's not necessarily something that everyone can do because they have uh, <laughs> a life or family outside of, outside of work. But I don't know. There's, you can find ways to, I guess, keep tabs. And if something's not working out for you, be okay with letting it go. Uh, and try something else. So if you're doing X, if you're doing, if you're working out, there's plenty of podcasts I can recommend to you. you. Just go on my blog and look for a podcast. I have a list of like 250 podcasts, and and you can keep up that way, right? Like you you could be doing something active and and still learning. You could be just experiment with different uh, forms of learning, and and different people learn in different ways. So I I definitely think that I I learn best by by keeping my focus small on like the number of topics and themes I get excited about, and just ignoring. The rest and then actually trying stuff out because you really only go get so much just like looking at tweets and reading readmes once you actually have tried the thing out then you have a strong opinion and you pretty soon find yourself like recommending it at work and it's pretty cool when like the stuff you learn on the side comes in and actually has a positive impact on something you do at work and that's where i think people start to really see the value of you learning during work as well. So you can make a case for that. So Sean, I've been doing some uh, Discord management and I've created a <laughs> channel. People can ask a question there as well. It's right above discussion room. It's called discussion going from junior to senior. There was yeah. one question there, but we also have two people joining awesome. here with voice. So Juan and Dom. I think Dom raised his hand first. Cool. Uh, I'll go first. So I have two questions. The first question would be, what are like your top evaluation of skills for technical and soft skills for that transition from junior to senior? And second, my question is my second question is regarding how do you know you're in that same like level of senior after when you start out as a junior without having like imposter syndrome? The second one is hits closer to home. The first one, let me try and rephrase the first question because I don't think I really got it. What level of technical skills are required? You said. What do you think? differentiates a junior dev on a technical level um, from a senior dev, both tech, like technical level and soft skills. Yeah, it's 
it obviously we're at a front end focused conference, but I try to keep my answers agnostic of front end or back end, and it's going to depend on whatever team you work on. But here's the bottom line. Right, I think that seniors should be able to independently ship something from beginning to end. Like、uh, the buck stops with you, and for most things, I can just give you an assignment, and you can basically ship that feature or that、uh, issue or that epic basically on your own、uh, without much guidance. Whereas a junior obviously would be expected to <laughs> to be given as much resources as possible. So that independence is a very very key part of the senior definition. The non-technical elements. There, there are a lot of other definitions as well. Mentorship is a key one. Once you get to a point where people start coming to you for advice, that's a strong sign of a senior developer. And being able to be a force multiplier for the rest of your team. So you're not just concerned with your own performance. You're also concerned about your team's performance and working on either processes or even dev tools or infrastructure tools to make them all more productive. These are all. Qualities that people shout out as as positive aspects of a senior developer. I have this essay called "Junior Engineer, Senior Engineer," and I have a list of like little quotes that distinguish things between junior and senior, which I could read out. I don't know if that would be helpful, but then I, I can also talk about. I guess I'll, I'll squeeze in one more thing before I I give I, I talk about the the katas, <laughs> which is career ladders. Right, study your company's career ladder. If your company doesn't have one, try to get involved in. In creating, defining one, because if if you get a, a hand in defining your own career ladder, then you get to nudge things in a way that you like, which is very nice. But if you need help and if your company doesn't have one, there are a lot of public career ladders out there. So I have a blog post that's literally just Google every engineering career ladder, and it's I've just compiled like thirty different career ladders from the Financial Times, Kickstarter, Red the Runway, Medium. All sorts of career ladders that have been public, and you can just study them. Circle CI is a really, really good career ladder, by the way, and just study like what they define to be the qualities of like software engineer one versus two versus senior versus principal versus staff. You get to see the difference. There's more and more industry impact. There's more and more emphasis on communication. In fact, the more senior you go, it's the less technical elements are still a big part of it. But then you're also ex- expected to be able to contribute on non-technical elements,、right? which I really want people to wake up to. Essentially. Even if you look at Circle CI, which is one of the most technically <laughs> rigorous companies out there, something like seventy-five percent of their promotion criteria are essentially non-technical, which people don't really realize. Like it's not something that you, that you learn in boot camp or in your CS degree that hey, you should be good at communication or understanding how your technology fits into the broader business strategy. But that's something that people put on career ladder, and therefore you are incentivized to learn about that as you want to progress in your. Junior to senior path. Does that? I, I want to pause because I've gone on for a bit. Does that help at all? Am I, am I on track? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll have to search your your resources, but、yeah. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. By the way, talking with me is like this. I always go. I have a blog post of that,、uh, and that's a strategy too. <laughs> you like straight. Like I'm, I'm somewhat making fun of myself, but think about what if you had that at work, right? What if you you had a conversation, but then you had a, a really well thought through written thing to back it up, so you can send it to whoever you're talking to. Like people will. Just like you, you not only sound smarter. I don't sound super smart right now because I haven't really been thinking about this topic recently. But you just sound more prepared. Like you've covered all your bases, and like the bit rate of trans of information transfer right now from me to you is not very high, right? Like it's just whatever I can think of, and I'm not very good on the ball. But while while I'm writing, I can structure things, organize things, make links, and and follow up references and stuff like that. That's just really really smart. Write things down, and I think it's a really good <laughs> skill of a senior developer. 
Yeah. Sure, sorry, I'll stop you here. We kind of hyped out, we have so many listeners here, there's a lot of questions in, in the text chat as well. People do have some uh, issues when they uh, try to get on stage, uh, so I suggest uh, people also to ask questions in chat. And Sean, if you can, since there's a lot of questions, Maybe let's limit one question per person just to try covering more of these. As but yeah, there's just a lot of them in chat. If you oh, yeah. check, people mark them with Q at first, like Q, and then there are questions. Yeah, I mean, and uh, and feel free to just ask stuff uh, in, and I can answer it asynchronously on on the text chat. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Is it okay if I ask a question, or should we? Go yeah, go ahead. So your answer, your previous answer really helps the transition to this question. As far <laughs> as I know, something super important to become a senior are communication skills. Do you agree with this? I guess you do. If you do, what resources do you recommend and what tips do you have? The things that you wished you knew during the transition process when you might have felt lost? Oh, that's an interesting question. So, of course, I, I believe that communication skills are very important. In, in fact, it's probably one of the most common things that are in a career ladder if you study them. So very important. And I will also volunteer that I don't think I'm very good at it. I'm decent. I, I don't fail my own <laughs> evaluation, but I've seen people who are way better than me about it. So I think resources wise, there's a lot about communication across cultures, which is something I think about a lot. One thing I can point you to is I think the Ladybug podcast, I think Ladybug FM or something like that. They did a whole episode on communication skills, which I quite recommend. They, they have some tips about just understanding how it comes across, how you come across, and really having empathy for what the other person is thinking and feeling. Uh, a lot of the times, we have to understand that we're not just, let's say you're doing a code review, you, you, and you're pointing out flaws in, in somebody's code. It doesn't reach them that you're trying to help unless you break down that barrier like and remind them, like, hey, I'm on your side. You have to break, go past like the emotional barrier of, hey, does this, is this person a threat? Are they making fun of me? There's all sorts of things going on in the other person's head. Uh, and you have to reassure them like, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm your partner. I'm here to help. And that's something that is a, is a skill a, a, as well. And, and particularly in some, some cultures where sometimes the respect for authorities can be very different. The, the expectation of like your, the message that, that is received, if, it, if you say something once, do they, is the responsibility on the recipient or on the deliverer to make sure that the message went through? These are all things where communication has led to real disasters before like planes crashing because people thought that a message would deliver and it wasn't so i don't know i don't like this is a huge topic i i don't know if i've like fully answered your question but i think when in doubt just write more whether it's like writing up your decision on like why you make a technical choice and just write in a comment i think or just like your your pr like one of the ways in which one of my most most popular interview blog posts when i was at netlify was how we do feedback letters so i think if you do if you look if you google like netlify code review or netlify feedback letters you get this post where we actually have a system for encoding what we're trying to say because it's when it, when you're in a when you're in a cold medium and there's a difference between cold and hot mediums when you're in a cold medium like a github pr review people can read a lot into like whether you put a a period at the end of your sentence are you being passive aggressive right now or are you just making a joke or are you is there sarcasm is there do you really do you think this is a big deal and i should t handle it right now or is this just a comment take it or leave it there are all these little subtle nuances that you can uh, skip if you have a clear code that you communicate with your coworkers with and i think the last one i'll make is for feedback reviews which i really like is preemptively review your own code so that you save one round trip 
So when you make a PR, you just think about, okay, what is this person going to say? I've worked with them enough. Let's like emulate them in my head and go like, all right, what are the typical comments that they would make? And just anticipate them and, and write your response. And just by the sheer act of doing that, people really appreciate it. And they understand that you've addressed their concerns. And now they can move on to you with the more important stuff. That, that they seldom get the chance to get to. So I've, there's a lot here. Communication is a really deep topic and uh, I'm not the authority on that. Like I just think that people should practice it more and, and realize that it is as important to them as their coding skills. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for your answer. Do you have any resources that you're looking at? I, I don't want this to be like a one-way street. Not me specifically. <laughs> I'm trying to ask around as well just to learn as much as possible. Yeah, if anyone has uh, communication resources, just pop it in the Discord channel uh, that's next to this room. Let's, uh, let's crowdsource this thing. That sounds amazing, actually, yes. Yes, on the same note, you've already answered this as well. How do you describe a senior? What should developers aim for? Mostly, if there's anything else you want to add. And regarding the resources, how can we get your senior to junior course? Oh, yeah, so that's a chapter in the book. I, I can I will look at releasing, I'll, I'll look at printing it out so that I can just release it for free in the channel. But essentially, yeah, I, I wrote this, I wrote, the, I wrote my book, learningpublic.org. I wrote the whole thing just to address this answer of the principles, strategies, and tactics that I use to get to where I am. And also the behaviors that I observe in the people that I really admire. So I have about 1400 links for, for people to go down a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah, hopefully that you know helps, but I can read out. Do, I don't, do we have a lot of time left? I, I feel like we're, we might be a, a bit out of time because we had like 30 minutes, but. We can create, uh, we can do like a marathon 34 hours by seven. But let, let's first go through the majority of general questions as we are in active phase. Yeah. Uh, so thanks a lot, Juan. Sorry, I'll, I'll remove you from, from the audience so other people can ask questions. Yeah, thanks, Juan. It was me, uh, CRS, uh, joining us for a while. CRS, one on three eight. Go ahead and ask your question. Orchestrating the team and answering questions from your junior developers. How do you go about that? Yeah, that's a fair question. I think the vast majority of senior developers should be writing their own code still. There are more senior positions, especially management as well as uh, architect positions, where you might be writing a lot less code. But uh, a lot of times you will be balancing between reviewing and mentoring others versus uh, writing your own code and being an individual contributor. And that's a little bit challenging, but I think you should be able to find time. Like obviously uh, mentoring and, and working with a team is very important. And then you should be able to figure out how to fit in your, your individual work separately on your own. Something I picked up from my ex-boss, uh, Sarah Drasner, is that she actually batches her work. So if you look at her blog post, CSS Tricks, prioritization, just Google that. She laid down this philosophy of basically batching uh, this work, like individual work goes on Thursdays and maybe a bit of Fridays, and then meetings are, are Mondays and Tuesdays. And she's coming at it from a management point of view, but I really think that it also applies to an individual contributor, senior dev, right? If you have a lot of sort of review work, batch those meetings together and also try to upgrade your bandwidth. Again, make it very, it's very easy to pair program. People don't do it. And the, the, every time you do it, both sides learn something about either the way you work or learn a new trick in the editor. It's a very high bandwidth communication skill. I, I would recommend that batching and then pair programming. So we have uh, uh, Rose Cuss uh, joining and then uh, Super Trump quick notes. There is some voice activity. That's why I muted you. So there's no background noise. Uh, push check, push it out because there's constant sound from your background. And Rose Cuss, feel free to go ahead and ask your question. Okay. <laughs> um, so my question is more coming from the other end. I'm a senior, kind of more experienced developer, and I'm wondering kind of what I can do to help people or what are things senior devs are not doing to help foster junior devs 
Oh, love it. Because I, I want to know what I can do to make more people, more diversity, like the industry, a better place to work in. Oh, wow. Okay. This, so I thought it was, this was a question about people already on your team, but you're just saying the industry as a whole. That's great. Yeah, as a whole. Like, I can start with my team. Like, that's my immediate <laughs> team. But obviously, I'm good space. Exactly. Pass it on. It's going to be a ripple effect. It is. So my, my direct answer is someone who changed, I changed careers at age 30, right? Direct answer is more internships and apprenticeships for people of non-traditional backgrounds. We at tech companies have a lot of entry routes for people from traditional degrees like CS degrees. But then if you just went a different way and then, and then came in to, to the tech industry later in life, you don't have those opportunities. And I think a lot of people, especially of diverse backgrounds, would benefit from that. So that's my immediate shout out. Uh, I, and my wish list is if I could wave a wand and have every single company take in two more interns or apprentices, I think that we would do a lot better. Just because the, the main thing is to get people experience. And after six months, a year of apprenticing and interning under someone else, they will have a lot better of a resume to, to go job hunt. And that, then they're off. They're, they're off to the races. I think the other thing I, I think is, is also opening up opportunities for people. So as someone who's uh, very plugged in and, and very capable, you people will throw a lot of opportunities to you. And you need to be aware of what you don't necessarily you you could do in your sleep, but you don't necessarily have to do, and it doesn't have to be done right this second. That you can actually hold off and just go, hey, and open up this opportunity for someone more junior on your team to let them do it, and and you can start supervising. So I I hope that's not like too I I don't know it's not like delegation more so much as like mentoring right because the, the, ultimately your your success you make another one of yourself I always say that the best way to be a 10x developer is to teach everything to 10 people around you <laughs> rather than the individually 10x and do everything yourself so I, I hope that those are the the immediate things that come to mind obviously I think donating actually helps a lot like your money goes a long way with free code camp and and also getting your company to sponsor those those diverse organizations and hire make sure make sure you, like the the hiring pipeline is equally diverse that i i feel like i'm tell, i feel like i'm saying obvious things but how does that resonate when you think about the, your, your question no that that makes sense especially yeah the letting go of things like i know <laughs> as a senior dev sometimes it is hard to let go of something where you're like this would take me very quickly uh-huh. this much of time but the mentorship which takes a little bit longer is way more beneficial to everyone in the long run yeah yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I would I would call out so some I actually forget who came up with this idea. I think it's Lara Hogan. She defined the difference between sponsorship and mentorship, and and or I think sponsorship and allyship as well. It's I feel like it's so weird for me to tell a woman this because <laughs> I'm not the expert on my on that myself. So uh, but I would recommend uh, those resources as well. And I can paste a, a list of diversity and tech organizations which I've been really following and 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 has been helping me learn a lot about this as well. Veni Kunche has a uh, newsletter which I encourage everybody here to sign up because she really has a balanced view which I love which is okay like we're not doing well but she doesn't damn you for it she just says gives you a stern look and goes like you can do better and anyway yeah yeah we know Veni Kunche of Diversify Tech which is a great newsletter and if you want to hire people of diverse backgrounds definitely go sponsor her newsletter awesome thank you so much thank you I think we have another question Rose the, la- the last person was Super Tramp, so which is great. <laughs> so we kind of, yeah, let me try to unmute, uh, unmute him. Uh, Super Tramp, can you, can you tell, uh, ask your question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, great. Hey, Sean, I had a question where essentially I don't enjoy working where I am right now, mostly due to the lack of kind of like the learning opportunities. Primarily my team, they really enjoy a very old version of PHP. 
and I'm trying to convince them that there's some proof in the success of modern React or JavaScript or any kind of these modern frameworks. I just wanted to ask if, did you have any tips to convince old PHP devs or old kind of web developers that it's okay to give some JavaScript projects a go? Wow. Hmm. Why are they, I have to, I have to dig into that further. Why are they opposed to adding new frameworks and stuff? What is their stated reason? A lot of our products are very public facing. So they fear that if we make any kind of change that might affect like client facing products, they, they worry that it might break. So they just say, all right, we see what you're trying to do here. We want to, we understand that you want to improve our code, but it's currently working. So why do we need to yeah. fix it? I have a lot of sympathy with the don't fix one ain't broken thing. I think that's actually something that people get to after a lot of pain. They're not necessarily wrong. But obviously, what you're trying to do is also improve the user experience. And that's something that they should be prioritizing as well. Are they optimizing for their own comfort? Or are they really making a, a technical trade-off here? So I'm, it's not clear to me. Obviously, I'm not in your situation and I can't really speak for them. But ultimately, I think there's only so much you can do as an engineer that's probably junior to them. You make your case and, and you make a, a strong... You, what you can do is, for example, like a proof of concept. I'll give you one example. The a friend of mine, Zach Argyle, he actually worked at Pinterest where he was trying to advocate really strongly for a progressive web app. And everyone at Pinterest was just like, no, like it's a waste of time, whatever. And he was ignored for two years. And the way he got through was he did a hackathon where he just built a basic Pinterest PWA and shown the really high metrics that you can get in performance as, as a PWA directly to the CEO. And that impressed them so much that they converted themselves to a PWA. So sometimes you have to do a stunt like that to get through to people. But ultimately, you cannot convince someone who doesn't want to be convinced. It just doesn't have an open mind and has already decided that their answer is right. And, and in that sense, you got to look out for yourself, right? So there are plenty of other developer uh, companies who would love to hire someone like you who's passionate about modern technology and no judgment on them, right? Like they're they they probably they, they think they know what's what's best but you should also figure out what's best for your your career thank you uh, like i totally yeah i'm totally happy to hear that there are potential solutions for like more modern like solutions for the problems that i'm facing or my company's facing but it feels like whenever i try to present them they shove me off because of the fact that i'm like more of a junior developer yeah you have to earn it right there's a give and get here like they have to make room for you, and if they're not, they, they're making a mistake. But then also, you shouldn't come in and just have them listen, like, like demand that they listen to you. You have to earn it as well. Maybe also look for small projects to side projects that, that they could split off to, to let you experiment that don't matter as much to them. Sometimes you can do a lot of this through internal tooling, right? What do your sales or marketing or, or product managers need? Build that for them and see, that, see the, the benefits internally before rolling it out externally, right? These are all things that I've actually done because people weren't letting me do it. People don't let you through the front door, go through the side, go around the back, figure it out. That's cool. Yeah. Um, actually, on, like, on that topic, I did design like a, a Next.js version of a, so what we do here is we generate like web forms for people to put their data and then we, we do lead generation based off that data. And I did take that initiative and, and create kind of like a front end like Next.js project. But then they looked at it, they thought that this was cool, but they, they didn't think it was scalable. And they, I tried to have a con like more of a conversation with them about that, but then they were, well, yeah, we've been doing like, we've been using PHP or we've been using these older like frameworks for 
a longer time. So it just felt like at that point in in the moment I was presenting the project, I should also say that they were they're currently sponsoring me. I'm from Canada. Uh. I'm trying to like I'm currently working in the UK. So at that point in time, I was thinking like this is I think this is the third or fourth time they disregarded my kind of my attempts to improve the let's, let's just say the initial code base. Yeah, I appreciate your tough situation, Super Chairman. Happy to chat with you, Async, as well on on the Discord. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right, so if anyone else wants to uh, ask a question, uh, raise your hand. We'll send the invite to the stage. Meanwhile, Sean, you can just uh, scan maybe a few questions in the chat. Uh, again, there have been a lot. Uh, some of them have been liked, uh, <laughs> so maybe you can take place on that. There are people trying to hire Super Super Tramp, and it's a good idea to. Yeah, honestly, uh, I find a lot of people changing jobs at conferences. It's a really nice thing to see, and f- good for labor mo- mobility, but maybe not so good for employers sending people to conferences. I don't know, but <laughs> if you're confident in your employer brand, then you should be a net hirer from conferences. And if you're not, then it should not be so good for you. Hey, Lucy, Lucia. Yeah, Lucy, Lucia. I don't know. Lucy, <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't have this music. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm actually a developer who came from a very non-traditional background Ooh. and I did a boot camp to get into it. I changed careers about two years ago now. So I did a four-month boot camp and I managed to secure my first job, which was amazing. When I was transitioning from my first job to my second job, the issue I was encountering was I wasn't even really being given the chance to get through the door for the interview. The few interviews I did get, I found that if I got to that stage, I was able to convince them that I was you know, a good candidate and I got a couple of offers, which was amazing. So my question was, like, how do you convince people to let you through the door just from your CV if you're from a more non-traditional background? Wow. Yeah, that's a challenging one. And there are a number of ways. <laughs> Essentially, networking <laughs> is the one that comes to mind. It's My friend Gerge wrote a little, I think it's a free book called The Tech Resume inside out maybe i'm not i'm not exactly sure what his book is someone someone help me look it up but he actually had this he had he'd look at the numbers and a lot of people don't get through the first screen which is the the resume review screen because people take a look at your resume for 30 seconds and it's a very inefficient transmission format because you're supposed to serialize your experience and your potential down to a single piece of paper you hope that they have the, the correct deserialization algorithm to to undo that and figure out that, hey, you're someone that they should be talking to. So I really like the other way of networking within the company and getting a warm introduction so that they not only skip you to like the next step where, you know, you actually do a, a proper interview, a phone screen. They, they also give you a few hints as to what the company values and what you could be doing there. Because ultimately you want to have a good answer for like why are you interested in working with us and and that's something that you really get from like understanding the company really well and talking to people internally within the company i will also say so so that's one thing i i it's a, i think it's a very common thing to say hey if i buy you a coffee will you, will you let me pick your brain don't use those exact words because picking your brain is extremely overrated in 2021 but you could go i'm interested in applying I, i'd love to learn more about your day-to-day stuff like that it's just a very genuine people know what you're trying to do and we've all been in your shoes i mean not all but we appreciate that uh, you're trying to get somewhere and I think people really appreciate the effort that you put in to even like a cold email, right? To uh, to say, hey, we've never met, but like you work at this company. I'm really interested in it. Do you have 15 minutes to chat? Most people will say yes. And I think that's a good way to, to get going. If we're doing this in person, I would actually not recommend coffee. I would recommend a walk in the park, which is something I used to do in New York. Okay. 
The other thing I, I really like is a permissionless application, right? Why you're applying through a CV and you may have a portfolio if you're a more design and front end oriented person, but you can also do like a, a breakdown. So some a story I really liked was this woman who was very interested in working on marketing for Airbnb and realized that she was from she was from the Middle East and she realized that the Airbnb didn't really have a Middle Eastern presence. So she mocked up a fake site that just looked like Airbnb and just demonstrated her potential as someone who could do that. She worked in marketing, but you could equally work do that for engineering, right? Like just do a, sim- do a simple clone, talk about a specific algorithm that, that you could work on. Uh, a friend of mine from my, my boot camp actually broke down the collaborative filtering algorithm of Spotify and she got an interview there because it, it, it went viral. So, so like people at Spotify would definitely notice. But it just shows a, a level of commitment and interest that most people don't have because you're not praying. It's The industry term is called spraying and praying. Like Anything that you, can, that you can do to show like you genuinely have interest and you're not just like throwing your resume every which way, I think that actually just puts you in front of the line. So that's my quick take. Yeah. <laughs> ultimately, so ultimately, you won't start this way, but ultimately what you want to get to is you want to be, you want to have your domain and your sort of expertise so well marketed that people come to you, right? Whatever you're particularly interested in, whether it's, whether it's animation or accessibility or responsive design, whatever it is, you want to be such an authority on that. People come to you for things that you're interested in. And then the hiring conversation becomes very different. It's more about uh, whether they're a fit for your interests, whether as compared to can you t- contort yourself to something that they need right now, which is at the end of the day, like if you apply to a company and they're just not hiring, you're not getting in no matter what. So it's really dependent on, on, on those things. But uh, hopefully I've given you some ideas here. Yeah, no, that actually has been really helpful because it, it actually tracks with my experience in that one of the offers that I got was specifically because I'd been to a random meetup talk and messaged someone who'd been talking and was basically saying the same thing, like I'm struggling to, to get people to listen to me, but I feel like I'm a really good candidate. <laughs> yeah, and then I just struck up a conversation with him online through LinkedIn. And from that, I then got an interview, which then led to an offer, which was awesome. But yeah, I actually hadn't really thought about it in that way. But actually, yeah, it really does make sense. Yeah. What we're really doing here, for those interested, is we're doing personal content marketing. It's the same thing that companies are doing for their brands and their products. And we can do it on a personal level. Cool. Lucy, th- thanks, for, thanks for the great question. Go ahead and answer your question. Just remember to push spoke. Hi. A big fan of your writing and your blog, Sean. Thank you. What I wanted to ask is related to in a situation where you're given a bit more responsibility as a senior uh, and you have to start making decisions, especially technical ones regarding the stack, regarding specific things you need to accomplish for a client or a project. And how do you maybe are, how do you not get stuck in that, in that uh, over analyzing a specific decision, not just to not make a mistake for your client or for your product, but also not bother your or add overhead to your teammates as well and your colleagues in to not to create issues later on on a project sometimes you get stuck in the decision so much that you feel like you can't move on uh, i don't know if there's something you have thoughts on are you familiar with the concept of innovation tokens uh, no actually 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this came, from, I'm not sure where this idea came from, but people can go Google the source. But essentially, the idea is to minimize risk, but to allow some innovation, right? The tech stack that you work on, work with for a client, it should be something that you're mostly familiar with and you're confident that you can ship in time and on budget. But you allow yourself to innovate or try new things in one or two areas of your tech stack. And that's your sort of innovation credit or innovation budget. And yeah, so to me, that's where you want to get to. That may not necessarily be where you are right now. First job is to have a set of technologies which you're which the whole team is confident in, right? To me, I call this like a minimum spanning set of <laughs> technologies that like you can pretty much string together to, to accomplish any task. They may not be the best tool for the job. They might not be the trendiest tool, but they do the job. And then you allow yourself in every project to try a new piece of technology that you want to include in your tech stack and try it out on a real project. So that's what comes to mind for now. I think obviously where I don't really understand why you're paralyzed. I think that's there's something deeper there. Can you tell me more about the analysis paralysis or I forget what you call it, like the stalled decision? Yeah, I guess it was not. Uh, it's not just a specific situation I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe it does happen when you you're given more responsibility. I don't know. You don't know how to approach it. It's not necessarily choosing a, a JavaScript framework, but making also bigger decision on on different elements of how the team is supposed to work together, either technically or not. And sometimes it does happen. I don't have. I don't want to go into very specific because there's multiple cases where it does happen. Maybe it's personal to me. I just wanted to hear about maybe similar situation and how other people dealt with it and you were, I mean, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone has ideas, let's crowdsource this as well because I, I feel like I don't really... It's so broad, this question, and it can go so many different ways. To me, it's something that you have to agree on as a team. If you have a... I guess if, if you're in the position of leadership, then obviously you're in charge of proposing and helping, helping to serve as a tiebreaker. If you have a client, sometimes they have a very strong opinion and you can present them choice A, choice B, and then let them choose. These all are all really nice uh, ways to basically offload the decision. Ultimately, I think... A lot of things are, a lot of decisions are reversible, right? If you think about type one and type two decisions, which is a Jeff Bezos type of framework, um, try to understand if your decision is reversible or not. And if it is, then just doesn't matter which one you try it out. Uh, just try it, you know, try something out for a few weeks. And then if you don't, if it's not going the way you, you think it is, then you can go try the other thing. Ultimately, the way I approach any sort of analysis paralysis now is this idea, which I got from this uh, newsletter called Common Cog. It's called Action Produces Information, right? If you've done any, if you've done all your research, you've asked everyone and you're, you're still stuck between two options or three options, then no amount of further studying and, and worrying and hand-wringing is going to help you. You need to take action, whether it is commitment to one thing and then you realize that, no, actually I really wanted the other thing. Or it is taking taking a further step and running a small um, proof of concept or uh, asking for more mentorship somewhere within your organization or just you know external mentors these are all like you can even go go as far as like paying someone for their advice right these are, this is a super highly underrated thing in the company environments like people are available for hire like max storyber is available for hire if you want any react architecture advice he's not cheap but he's available and, and so are other people so yeah, that's as much as I, I can go. I don't have much to work with on the question. That was very, very helpful actually from my perspective. So thanks. Yeah, thank you. It's given me something to th- think about as well and hopefully I can write a better answer in the future. All right, we have a couple other questions and I have a few more minutes. So let's get this going. Poki Jif from Poland, I'm guessing. 
I'm inviting them. I'm going to drop, by the way, for those still in the room, I'm going to drop uh, the chapter for junior engineer versus senior engineer. We can have a better discussion uh, there uh, because I feel like I didn't really uh, do enough prep for that. Hey, Pokey. Hello. So uh, I would like to address the previous person, the Renato, yeah. question um, because I had a very similar situation that I'm like uh, slowly progressing to higher roles and it's also very stressful to uh, decide yeah, to, to make the decisions. And uh, the thing that helped me, that, which I have recently found out, is that uh, unless uh, you are in a company which has like two people and you are the most experienced one uh, in that company, then uh, there's always like the bigger fish in the company, more experienced, and you can ask them for, for help or you can ask older people um, who maybe are not uh, even senior, but uh, have more expertise in certain field or they have been working with certain technology and you can ask them how it worked for them. Yeah. So I, I have no uh, question. This one, but, uh, no, that's great. Thank you for chiming in. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging position to be in and that's why you make more money. Hopefully they're paying you for all this stress that you're taking on. Great. All right. I am, by the way, I'm extracting my junior to senior chapter so we can invite more questions. I, I see a lot of questions also piling up in the text chat and I will drop my PDF in there so people can talk more stuff. Okay. All right. So yeah, I've just posted that in, in the room. What else can I say about this? Something I really want to emphasize, and I've been really trying to find the best words for this, which is essentially that we should fall in love with the problem rather than the solution. And I think that juniors may be defined, may be falling over themselves to define themselves by the solution, right? Like I'm a React developer, whereas seniors have probably been through a few of these cycles where like they've had, they've been super into something else before, and then they had to change frameworks, and then they had to change frameworks again. And by the time you get to your second or third framework, you're just like, all right, this is another tool to solve the same problem. And ultimately, the thing that lasts longer than the solution itself is the problem because that will never go away. It will, it, it, it will just have different solutions that come along and, with, and solve it with different trade-offs. So I hope that that's a message that I want to get across that seniors basically collect patterns and problems and juniors collect solutions. And I want to guide people towards understanding problems deeply. And that's a lot of the way that the, the way that I structure my thinking and learning and speaking as well. So the talk that I'm going to give later in about 30 minutes is focused on what problems does React solve and what can we learn that will outlast React. I think that's a, that's one way to go from junior to senior. All right. I don't see any other questions. Uh, I do have... All right. Okay. All right. Just one more. If you have a quick one, uh, then I think it makes sense to wrap up. It's, yep. been, uh, it's been an active discussion. All the people uh, interested in the topic. Yeah. Thank you so much for everyone yeah, who's then. come by. Thanks. Uh, yep. Yeah. Hey, Darren. Hello. Hi. Hey, Dan. I just I asked a question in the the discussion chat, but I thought maybe you could ask it in here and suggest it then. So myself, I'm a, a full stack engineer, but um, the more I look at uh, these big companies now, you see all the postings are for more back end or full or front end, and not really say full stack. So I was just wondering your opinion on maybe focusing on one of those things that you're more well versed in, or is it still, that is full stack engineer still an achievable thing to work towards? 
Wow. Ah, great question. There are definitely people hiring full stack developers. You just got to find them. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting uh, this impression that people aren't hiring full stack. I, I feel like there is actually a lot. It's a meme in the, in the US where they want someone to do everything. I would say, yeah, I'd say it's definitely achievable. I just think it's not as realistic at certain level of scale because ultimately there's, there's this meme where it's like this horse where either you're drawing you're drawing the front end really well and then the back end is like a really crappy children's drawing or, or you're drawing the back really well and the, and the front is just like this really really Im childish imitation version there's some trade-off to be made and ideally there's some level of specialization that you have where you can actually market your skills in in, in a good way to and it probably involves specialization is what, is what I'm trying to say so full stack is great for people who want generalists and if you want to for example be a startup founder or an indie hacker yourself, that's definitely something to pursue and, and to be well-rounded. But if you want to be a specialist, a consultant, an industry authority, you probably should specialize. And those two are not at odds, but you probably want to market yourself in some in based on like what you're trying to tell to your clients and your employers right now. Great, thank you very much. Yeah, I have further thoughts on like specialization versus generalization. It's a separate chapter of, of mine. But essentially, the, the TLDR is that everyone is a generalist in some way. And when in doubt, you should be specializing because that's where you learn how to be an, an expert. And learning to be an expert and crossing that sort of learning gap in itself is a, is a skill. And then also marketing, your, it's way easier to market yourself. So I have a friend who's called, uh, who's Corey House. He's a React consultant. He specializes in transitioning big companies, mostly from Angular to React. But that's not his only interest. He's got a lot of other interests and he actually, you know, is a pretty full stack developer just based on his history. But he chooses to market himself as a React developer. And, he, and when he did that, his consulting practice 15x in one year uh, in terms of inbound inquiries, you can go look up his his uh, tweet channel. He'll he'll uh, he'll back that up, and that's just because marketing uh, responds to niches, like to specialization. If you say you're the expert in something, people believe you more rather than I can do anything. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks very much for that. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, great questions, everyone. I I see a lot more in in the chat, and I have to go through and and answer them. But hopefully, this was useful, and this is fun. I I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> uh, new media. Thanks so much, Sean, for joining. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to invite you again. Yeah, the topic is really, really in demand. You had a really solid conference level audience in just this small room. So for joining, and then thanks for all your insights. So yeah, hopefully, you'll be able to reply the remaining questions in chat whenever you have time. Uh, and yeah, see you soon on stage. Um, 30 minutes. I'm excited. It's, it's, yeah, I love this talk. All right. Thanks for having me, Robert. And thanks, everyone, for, for coming by. See you soon. Cheers. Bye.